Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by the fruits. Jesus is speaking, of course, and he says, Do men gather grapes from thorn brushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Father, I'm so thankful for this concept, this truth, this rule of God. Bad trees can be cut down. And I'm grateful, Lord, that you have shown us what good trees look like through your life. I pray that we would follow. As we study your scripture, I ask in Jesus' name, fill our hearts. It's in your name we pray, Jesus Christ. All God's people said, amen. You may have your seat. You may have your seat. We're going to be in a couple of areas of scripture today. You want to keep your finger in Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, as well as we continue our study. You may take your journal out in 1 Samuel chapter 2, the life principle that we're going to study today. You can write it down on the second page of your note. What you sow, you will reap. There's the life principle. What you sow, you will reap. Now, if you enjoyed the worship band and that song that they just did, I want to encourage you to come to Good Friday. It's going to be a celebration of songs that uh, we've been singing here that you didn't know, but that our worship band wrote and putting together and putting out that CD for Good Friday. So we pray that you will be here at 630 as we celebrate the coming resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate that in its post sense because we know that he has resurrected. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 through 20, we learned a powerful point. Good trees produce good fruit. Good trees can't produce bad fruit and bad trees can't produce good fruit. Paul, wanting to further explain a little bit through the Holy Spirit what Jesus is communicating, would you take a look now at Galatians chapter 6? I'm going to start there in verse 7. Do not be deceived, Paul says. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, he's not going to be laughed at. And now he gives the truth. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For if one sows to his own flesh, we'll describe that in just a moment, he will, from the flesh, reap corruption. Corruption takes time. Over time, something gets corrupted, but it's eventually destroyed. But the one who sows to the Spirit, there's a different kind of seed, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I choose that box. I choose that curtain, not the corruption curtain. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. In other words, the sowing process, it takes energy. It takes time. It takes effort. You have to wait in order for the crop to produce. There in verse 10, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul is trying to describe an immutable physical law that Jesus points out in Matthew chapter 7, 
Good trees from good seeds produce good fruit. It's an immutable physical law. Let me explain. If you want to plant an apple tree, you don't put in an apricot seed. If you want an apple tree, you put in an apple seed to get apple trees. You don't put in an apple seed to get apricots. If you want pears, you don't put in pluot seeds. You put a pear seed in so that you don't get pluots. Now, personally, I'm a pluot person. It's a mix between an apricot and a plum. And I have a pluot tree, so I planted a pluot seed. And I'm watching this tree begin to bud and begin to grow. And I'm not expecting pears. Because I like pluots, I planted a pluot tree because there is a truth. What you sow, you will reap. You can't laugh at God. It's immutable. It's a law of God. What you sow, apples produce apples, apricots produce apricots. What you sow, you will reap. Timon and I, we did a garden out front, and we wanted to plant wildflowers. And so we tilled the soil, and we put all kind of nutrients in our adobe soil up front, and we planted these seeds, and he kept coming to me saying, Dad, this is a lot of work. I mean, we're tilling the soil. I'm sweating. I'm out front. It's on a hill. I'm having to dig. I was like, Dad, is this really, I mean, is this thing going to produce something? Well, now, with a little bit of water, a little bit of sun, we got some green things coming up. In fact, they've grown so green and so big, now we got a little flower coming up. And now, in Timon's heart, it's no longer a complaint of the hard work. Everyone that drives by, see what we did? (laughs) Those flowers are there because of me. I put them there. We put wild flowers there. We expect wild flowers to come out. That's what Paul's explaining. It's just a truth. But he's relating the truth to something spiritual. Listen to the spiritual point. What you sow, you will reap. Now, the history of Scripture explains this very detailed. Let's take a look at Abraham. Abraham sowed to the flesh. Instead of waiting on the promise of Sarah giving birth, no, he came up with a better idea. He wanted to go his way, so he married another woman, and this other woman, well, she had a child, and he wanted to go his way. He didn't want to go God's way, wait on the promise, and one man, one woman, so he marries another woman to continue his posterity. Well, when he sowed to the flesh, going his way, he reaped to the flesh. Let me tell you what the flesh looks like on the other end. There was frustration. There was anger. There was confusion. There was separation. There was division. There was hurt feelings because that's all the fruit of the flesh. What about Jacob? Oh, surely you remember. He deceived his brother and then he was deceived by his father-in-law. What you sow, you're going to reap. What of the Jews? They rejected God, they sowed rejection, they reaped rejection when God rejected them. Chet, those are all bad examples. That's the bad tree produced by the bad seed. Are there any good ones? Well, of course there are. You remember last week, Hannah. Hannah sowed a good seed. She sowed a seed of faith. And the seed of faith that she sowed, oh, we saw the story, Samuel. God heard me. God heard my prayer. And there she is sowing faith and she reaped a reward. 
Paul, looking at the example of the Old Testament scripture, he gives us our life principle. What you sow, you're going to reap. Because the Old Testament stories prove New Testament principles. Did you hear that? That's why we study 1 Samuel. Old Testament stories reveal New Testament principles. Would you go with me now, since we're studying? Go with me to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2, as we continue our study, because what we're going to see is the difference of the two kinds of seed. Oh, there's the seed of the flesh, and there's the seed of the spirit. There's the seed of the flesh, and there's the seed of faith. And the beauty of life? The beauty of life is this. When I wanted to plant wildflowers, guess what I did? I went to Home Depot, I found wildflowers, and I planted wildflowers. I didn't find fruit trees, I found wildflowers because I like flowers up front. And they're taking a little bit longer to grow probably because we didn't do it right. But hey, they're coming up slowly but surely because I wanted wildflowers. I made the choice to buy the kind of seed that would grow what I wanted to grow. And that's the beauty of life. You see, the beauty of life is you get to choose what kind of garden grows in your heart. You get to choose what kind of garden is going to grow in your heart. You can plant, you can sow seeds of faith. Well, there's going to be reward for the seeds of faith. Um, Let me give you an example. My uh, 13-year-old son, Timon. Timon, I met with him one day, and you know he's the last of nine. He's practically raising himself, right? And I said, son, we got to talk. I mean, you're practically raising yourself. You're the last of nine. We're just tired. And you know, things to us don't matter anymore. Do you remember when you, when, we were a ch- when you had your first child, and as soon as the sucky dropped, you boiled it? By the time it got to Timon, we were dipping in dirt to give him an immune system. I mean, it was one of those things that's like, you know, he's the last of nine. And so I said, son... You know, you're the last of nine. You're kind of raising yourself. Like, you know, how can we do this? And he goes, Dad, listen, I have watched the eight others before me, okay? I have watched them sow seeds that were not good, and I've watched them sow seeds that were not, that were good. Look at Micaiah. Micaiah was grounded his whole life, Dad. I don't want to be grounded my whole life. So I've watched, and I'm going to sow seeds of faith to reap a reward. I've watched and I've learned. Very good, Timon. Keep raising yourself. That's great, you know. You are doing great, son. We're not letting him raise himself, mostly. But what lessons of faith to learn as you watch? And you can sow seeds of, of, of the faith, or you can sow seeds of the flesh. Seeds of the flesh, oh, they lead to destruction. I was at a wedding yesterday. I didn't have a chance to be at the uh, men's work day. We had to drive all the way to San Luis Obispo. And we drove, and they had this incredible wedding, but it was a wedding of one of my first students from Patmos 15 years ago. So we're, I'm with all of these students And I was thinking about my message, and I'm looking at these students, and I'm thinking of all the students, and I'm thinking to myself, over 15 years, I've watched this principle be true. Students that have planted the seeds of faith, I've watched their life thrive and grow in the reward of faith. But students that have planted the seeds of the flesh, well, their life has taken a different route, a different direction, and almost to the place where I'm meeting with them going, wait a second, why did you make this choice? Let's make a different choice. 
And so as we go into the scripture, we're going to see three sets of choices, three different kinds of seed to plant, and you get to choose what kind of seed that you want. Let's take a look at the first one. It's 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. And Elkanah went home to Ramah, excuse me, verse 11. Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the boy, speaking of Samuel, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. 1 Samuel chapter 2, now verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They didn't know the Lord. The custom of the priest with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. And he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. First set of seeds. You can go and you can get the seed of selfless service. Or you can get the seed of selfish satisfaction. You get to choose. Which one will you plant? The seed of selfless service, like Samuel, or the seed of selfish satisfaction. You see, Samuel, go back to verse 11, he was ministering to the Lord. Now, our English language, it doesn't help us with this particular word, so I want to help you understand what's being said in the Hebrew. The word that, there's a word that's missing that we don't put into our English language, we just add ing. And the word that's missing, it should read this, he existed to serve. All we do is add ing. He was ministering. He was serving. But in the Hebrew, it was he existed to serve. Existed to serve? He gave his whole life to serving God? I mean, what kind of life is that? Jesus said you have to lose your life in order to find it. I don't know. I mean, is there any reward in losing your life? I mean, you existed to serve the Lord? Oh, yeah, there is fruit. You take a look. Just go over to 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 1. Take a look. Now the boy Samuel was ministering, or he existed to serve the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There's no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Listen to the dismal picture. Eli's going blind. It's dark in Israel. The lamp's about to go out. He's presenting a picture. It's not great spiritually in Israel. But take a look at verse 4. Then Samuel, who existed to serve the Lord, the Lord called Samuel. The Lord spoke to Samuel. The Lord spoke into his life. The Lord began building a relationship with Samuel as he existed to serve the Lord. And that's what happens. That's the fruit of choosing to exist to serve the Lord. That's the fruit of the seed of selfless service. We get to be in communion with God. God speaks into our life. God directs our life. God shows us what to do and what not to do. God explains to us even the meaning of life. Samuel, he was communing with God. But there's another fruit. You see, service, it's like David. David has come alive. He stands before you, though he was hesitant, though he's afraid. 
But I have watched a man over the course of a year of engaging in service, his spirit become alive because he was communing with God. And now I'm watching this man, his spirit is alive as God continues to pour into him. I'll give you another example. Last year at our men's service day, I was here and I met a guy, good friend. His name is Sandro. We're in the back. We're both painting. And let me tell you, as we were serving together, just coming to this church, I'm just coming to this church. Now over almost a year later, I've got one of my dearest friends that I found because we were serving together. And let me tell you something. One of the greatest ministries in the church today is counseling. Let me tell you why. Because one of the greatest problems in our social network world is loneliness. People are lonely. But when we choose to serve, we come into community. When we plant that seed of service, God gives us a community. We find friends. We find not loneliness. We find community. But wait a second. There's another seed. You could go the seed of selfless service, but you could also go the seed of selfish satisfaction. That's what the boys did. That's what Eli's sons did. You see, that seed, the Bible says, I've underlined it in verse 12, that seed is worthless. That seed is worthless. Look at it. Now, the sons of Eli were worthless men. They were worthless because they didn't know the Lord. Unlike Samuel, who's in relationship with God, the boys... They weren't in relationship with God. They're only in it for themselves. They're only thinking of themselves. They're thinking of themselves all the time. That's all they were doing. I want what I want. I'm going to get what I want. And they chose not to go God's way. You see, let me explain. I understand this. They, they would take this big old pitchfork and they would look at the stew that was in front of them and, well, they would, uh, I want that piece. And they would take it out and they would bring it for themselves because that's what they wanted and that's what they thought of, only themselves. Well, I know for me, when I think of myself too much, I don't look as good as I should. I need to get in the gym. I got to get a haircut. When I think of myself too much, I start to worry. When I think of myself too much, I start to get filled with anxiety. When I keep myself in my brain all of the time and I'm only thinking of me, I start getting frustrated with me because I know who me is. And I start getting anxious and I start getting worried because that's the fruit of selfish satisfaction. When you're always thinking of you, it leads to nothing but anxiety. And so here the boys are, they are just filled with anxiety because all they want to do is serve themselves. That's the first set. You can sow the seed of selfless service and lead to community and communion with God, or you can sow the seed of selfish satisfaction and think of yourself all the time, like the boys did, out of relationship with God and be filled with anxiety. Take a look at what else. Let's go to verse 15 because there's another set of seeds. Verse 15, moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. In other words, they wanted barbecue, not boiled. And if the man said to him, let them first burn burn the fat first. In other words, let me do what God wants me to do and then take as much as you wish. 
Well, the servant would then say, no, you must give it now. And if not, I'll take it by force. I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. Thus, the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. There's our second set of seeds. You see, you can go to Home Depot, buy whatever seed you want. In the same way, spiritually, you can get the seed of obedience or the seed of disobedience. Disobedience? That was the boy's choice. You see, in verse 13, maybe you'll circle this word, the custom of the priests. It was not the way of God. No, it was a custom that they had developed. You see, the way of God, the way of God was the priest got the breast and the priest got the right thigh. That's the meat that belonged to them. They got the breast and they got the right thigh. But my wife, she just cooked stew this week. I know what the boys were struggling with because I struggle with it a little bit myself. See, when it was my turn to go to the crock pot, I took the pitchfork and I'm going through the stew trying to find that piece of tenderloin. And when I saw that big old piece, I stabbed it and I put it in my bowl and my kids, dad, you're taking the best piece. I know. I paid for it. When you buy it, you can take the best piece. Watch me take another one. I understand thinking about yourself sometimes. And that's what the boys were doing. I don't want the breast. I don't want the thigh. I want the tenderloin. The tenderloin is better. Oh, there it is. Boom. I don't want what God wants from me. Let's develop a custom so we can overlook scripture. Don't have to do what God wants. Let's just take a pitchfork and let's pretend that we don't see the tenderloin and just accidentally stab it and bring it out so it can be in our bowl to eat. This was the custom of the boys and it had become a custom. They thought they were getting away with it. They believed the lie. And here it is. You're the only one in the world that can handle this. You're the only one in the world that can get away with it. You've been doing it for years. No one's caught you now. You can continue. Don't worry about it. Just keep pitching the fork into the pot. It develop a custom. Let it just be who you are. There's the lie. But not only that was their custom. When the people of God would come, they wanted a barbecue. They didn't want boiled meat. So they said, listen, we got our grill out back, okay? We got our propane, everything's filled. We got the fire hot. We want to pick the meat that we want. So just give me the tenderloin now so I can go and put it on the barbie, all right? Because here's the deal. We don't want boiled meat. We don't want to do it God's way. And the people would say, no, we got to do it God's way. And they would go, no, we want it our way. And if you don't give it to us, I'm going to take it from you. They had a problem. Can you just imagine as if you walk through the doors and I look at you and I go, did you bring your tithe? Put it here right now. Did you bring your offering? We want it. And without your offering, we can't survive. And if you don't give us your offering, can you imagine if I did that when you walked in? I mean, we don't even take an offering here. We give because it's cheerful in our heart. But can you imagine if you met me with that kind of attitude? So I did it once accidentally. I'm here like two months. And I thought it would be funny to be at the doors, like greet people that were late and be like, ha ha, you're late, you know. 
So it's, <laughs> it's, it's 1010. I'm out there, right? Because some people believe we have a 1030 service here. It's 10 o'clock, okay? So I'm out of the back and I'm just fooling around. I'm like, ah, oh, you're late, you're late. This couple comes and I go, hey, you guys are late, okay? Thinking like they know me, I know them. The lady starts to cry. She goes, it's my first service here. We didn't know it started at 10 o'clock. I'm not the lead pastor. I'm not going to teach. Adam, you need to get up quick because. <laughs> and I'm like, this was a joke. I'm kidding. You know, I'm <laughs> kind of walking through. Listen, can you imagine if I did that every Sunday? This is where their hearts were. And we've got to be careful the way that we represent God. Because God is not a threatening, demanding God. He leads people to repentance through his kindness. And the boys, they thought they were getting away with it. Give us a food. They thought they were getting away with it. We want the tenderloin. Take a look at verse 31. Would you just go over to the verse 31? The Bible says, Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your house so that there will not be an old man in your house. There's the Lord. Behold, the days are coming. You don't get away with it. The seeds of disobedience always catch up with you. The lie is you won't be found out. But the truth is, be sure you will. Behold, the days are coming. Now you could plant another seed, not disobedience. You could plant the seed of obedience. That's Samuel. Take a look at him. Verse 18. Samuel, though, he was ministering, existed to serve, ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod. His mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him year, uh, take him to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. Samuel obviously was doing a great job because Eli blesses the family. So then they would return to their home. And indeed, the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Hannah gave one, she got five times the return. Look at that. Hannah gave one, five times the return. And they can look at this. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Samuel, not disobedience. Samuel planted the seed of obedience. You see, he was clothed in a little robe that his mom would give for him. Scripture tells us that the, the clothing of God in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10, that it's, it's an idea of spiritual growth, that we're clothed with righteousness, that we're clothed with salvation. Samuel, according to this verse there in 21, he was growing in the Lord. And his mom, she would bring one suit one year, he would grow. She would bring another suit the next year, he would grow. And Samuel chose to grow in obedience before the Lord. Let me tell you what happened when he grew in obedience. The fruit of obedience, he wore the linen ephod. Let me tell you what this is. The linen ephod, that's purpose. The linen ephod, he knew what his job was. And as he was in the word, as he was studying scripture, as he was growing in the Lord, only the Levites wore this linen ephod, but not Samuel. He got his purpose by being in the word. 
He knew exactly what he was supposed to do as he studied scripture. He knew which way to go. He knew which way not to go. He knew exactly who he was because he was growing in the Lord. Now, I need to take a little commercial break for just a second. I got to talk about Hannah. This woman blows my mind. And parents, I need you to listen up for just a moment. And if you kind of dozed off for a second, this is kind of where you wake back up and go, okay, I'm a parent. I need to listen. Listen, parent, we got to look at Hannah for just a moment. Because Hannah invested faith into her child. And she received the reward of faith. Samuel changed the whole nation. She did the devotions with her child. She prayed for her child. She weaned her child in the Lord so that her child knew the things of God. But Eli? Eli didn't. Eli invested the flesh. Would you take a look at verse 29? Take a look with me. Eli, the man of God, is speaking to Eli. He's rebuking and confronting Eli. And he says to him in verse 29, Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts, on the tenderloins of every offering of my people Israel? There's the problem. Samuel was participating in the disobedience of his sons. He was enjoying the tenderloin as well. He loved it. And he allowed his sons not to go the way of faith, but he invested the way of flesh. Do whatever you want. You're my kid. I mean, I want to be your friend. And I, 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 I don't mean to honor you over honoring God. And I know God would have you go this way, but I'd really prefer that you be my friend. So why don't you just keep doing your thing and I'll deal with God on the other side, okay? I mean, that's okay. You're my kid and I love you so much. And if you want to do that, that's all right. I mean, as long as you and I are good, okay? Eli? No, that's not the way to be a parent. That leads us to the next seed, the final one. You see, Eli, our third set of seed. Eli, he sowed the seed of compromise. Now you can sow the seed of compromise, make your choice, or you can sow the seed of conviction. Eli, he made the decision to compromise and see the fruit of it. Look at verse 22. Eli's very old. He kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. In other words, they were having these orgies like the Canaanites and they brought the Canaanite religion into Judaism. So he said to him, why do you do these things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my son, it's not good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. Someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Wow. Eli, why wouldn't they listen to you? Hey, Dad, I don't know why you're so upset with me. I know I'm in fifth grade. I just use the word that you used. I mean, you say it to mom all the time. Why am I getting in trouble for the word that you use in the house? Just because I use it at school. I mean, come on, dad. You use it in the house. Why can't I use it at school? It's a normal word for you. Why can't it be a normal word for me? And all of a sudden, this fifth grade student who's in trouble for using an explicative in class, 
He's compromising with his dad, who's compromised in front of him. And that's exactly what's happening with Eli and his sons. Eli is enjoying the tenderloin. Eli loved the tenderloin. And now he goes to his sons and he says, listen, you guys can't do this. Dad, are you for real? You've been eating the tenderloin for how long? I mean, are you serious? Are you really serious? You're going to come to us and now you're going to tell us? Now you're going to say to us that you, uh, we shouldn't be doing what we're doing and you've been living in such compromise? Such compromise? Flip over a page to 1 Samuel chapter 4. I want you to see the compromise Eli was living in. 1 Samuel chapter 4, look at verse 18. As soon as he mentioned the ark of God, let me explain the situation. Eli has just heard that his sons have been killed in battle. And now the servant is reporting that the ark of God has also been taken. And as soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died. And here's the reason why. For the man was old and heavy. Let me explain what happened. He'd been eating the tenderloin, nothing but red meat for so long that when he heard his kids had died, he was so big, he went, oh my goodness. And he put his head back like this and broke his own neck. That's a big boy. (laughs) And here is Eli telling his kids, because let me tell you something. The seed of compromise always leads to self-destruction. The seed of compromise always leads to self-destruction. And that's what happened to Eli and his boys. When I was in Liberia, when I was in Liberia, every time I would go to the boys, the child soldiers, I'd be like, hey, do you want to know Jesus? You know what they would do? They would pull out their Baptist membership card. I know Jesus. Here's my card. Or they pull out their Methodist card. You see, in Liberia, your ID card was your church membership card. So they would pull it out. Look, I'm saved. Here's my Methodist card. Look, I'm saved. I've got... And I watched years of this card coming out and they would go and sow to their flesh. And the saddest thing, these kids holding AK-47s and M-16s, watching one after the other get killed with their membership card in their back pocket but leading self-destructive lives in their com- lives in their compromise. Now, you don't have to sow that seed. You can sow the seed of conviction. That's where we close. Would you look at verse 26? Now, the boy Samuel continued to grow. I've circled that. Continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with men. He continued to grow. There's the seed of conviction, not compromise. Compromise leads to self-destruction. No, this was the seed of conviction. He continued to grow. Let me explain. His mom, for years, brought the robe, brought the prayer, brought the Bible study. For years, was investing into her son. And now, her son is continuing to grow. It's me walking into my daughter's bedroom, and I see Selah there in her bed with her Bible open, writing down verses and writing down thoughts in the corner of her Bible. I'm not telling her to do it anymore. She's continuing to grow. We've made the investment. Now it's her faith. It's her conviction. She wants to do it on her own, just like Samuel. Samuel was continuing to grow now on his own. He'd learned the faith from his parents, and now he wants to do it by himself. He wants to continue to grow, and that's what we desire. 
So church, I want you to do this. Take a look at your journal. Would you look with me at the back of your journal? Take your journal out. I want you to look with me at the back of your journal. Because our prayer is that we all grow and that we grow to glorify God, just like Samuel. He grew in stature and in favor with both God and man. And so simplifying that growth, Samuel, life, glorifying God in life, he learned the word. Glorifying God, he, he, he invested into relationships, his relationship with God, his relationship with others. Samuel, he followed the way of Christ. That's our heart, that we follow the way of God. And E, life, engaging with your world, explaining the gospel to a community. You see, this is glorifying God together in life. Now, church, Samuel sets a great example of what the seed of conviction does. See, he grew in favor with God. That's a big deal. I want to be in favor with God. So much favor that Samuel was blessed by God to lead a nation. But that's not the only success of Samuel. You see, he was in so much favor of God, having planted the seed of conviction. Look with me at 1 Samuel 3.19. I want you to see this. 1 Samuel 3.19, and Samuel grew... And the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Samuel grew in favor with man. And what this verse means is people listened to him. He was given opportunity because he was a man of conviction. He was given success because people knew they could trust him. They knew that they could come to him or They knew that they could give him a job because he would get the job done. And he found success everywhere he went because he was a man of conviction. Nothing fell to the ground. He was just like Joseph. What a blessing from God to plant the seed of conviction. That's your choice. What seed are you going to plant? Seed of compromise? Self-destruct. Seed of conviction? Favor from God. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we do come before you, thankful for the word once again. And I pray now in Jesus' name, would you minister and speak to our hearts and help us to plant good seed. In Jesus' name, amen.